0: How's it going folks how's it going i'm brother matthew and this is christian coffee time where we sit down together to study the word of god and here we are back at it again so please take your bibles notepads and pens and turn with me to the gospel of matthew uh, chapter 8. and again we're going to be using the three points of the christian faith the three points of bible study interpretation application demonstration interpretation is the what the what of the narrative what it's flat out saying the narrative of the text and then we back up go again through it slowly take a look at the how how is it being said the specific words and the pictures and the images as well as how can I pair what I'm reading with the rest of the word of God uh to be able to get a, a better understanding better grasp and the how is also uh, Taking a look at the specific images and pictures, uh, the words, the word, uh, the meanings of the words, and all these things, doing the study on the Greek and the Hebrew, all of this. It, there's so much work involved in and, and the study of the Word of God to give us a better grasp, a better understanding of what it is that we're reading. It's one thing to read the Word of God. It's another thing to study it. So you see the what, the narrative of the text, just the flat out, just what, what it's saying, um, now and then we take a look at the how uh, who's who's talking what's going on the specific details and all of this for the third and final point demonstration is the why why is this important why should i apply it to myself to go live it speak it think it do it so we see interpretation application demonstration and then finally we have our study principle the clear interprets the unclear what the word of god flat out clearly says uh, like without having to to try to figure it out just simply like as we see for examples we always use this it for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast so you see it flat out clearly says salvation is by grace through faith and not of works. So the clear interprets the unclear. So any other passage that uh, we we would read and may seem to uh, c- come to the idea that it might be implying so- something like uh, we see in james 2 you know faith that works is dead people take that to to mean that it's talking about salvation we know it's not because we know what it says over here clearly so the clear interprets the unclear so it helps us understand what it's not saying so the clear interprets the unclear the three points of the Brean faith and the three points Bible study so I hope uh, you're ready for that hope you understand that and if you have any comments questions issues insights regarding the study at hand please by all means go ahead ask away be glad to hear from you if it's not related to the topic at hand if you just hold that to the end of the study or to our next broadcast so we could try to limit our rabbit trailing so with that grab your tea grab your coffee grab your Bibles and tablets and papers and everything turn to matthew chapter 8. okay so we see the wrap up of the sermon on the mount and there's a whole ton of stuff that we went over in this one uh awful lot of information um and uh again just to summarize just ask you folks some questions Over the last couple chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. Who was the Sermon given to? Who was the audience, the congregation specifically of the Sermon on the Mount? Question number two. As you see through here, what then is the, the point, the purpose? What is it that Jesus is actually teaching specifically then? in his message his sermon on the mount and thirdly just one more a little one in here as you see the uh uh, the prayer that jesus gives in matthew chapter 6 what would actually technically be the most accurate title of that prayer many call it the lord's prayer but if we actually pay attention to the previous questions that i asked on this what is it that jesus is actually teaching in in the prayer in matthew chapter 6 so there's some three questions for you <clears throat> and i did ask it at the beginning here in the comments uh can you please give me a verse that comes to your mind that proves the deity of jesus christ All right, then we have good morning good morning uh, purely says John 10:30, I and the Father are one. That's pretty straightforward. There you go. Uh, so it, answering of some of the questions of the uh, previous chapters, Matthew 5 six and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. Um, Kimberly says the congregation, the believers in Christ and his disciples. And that's right. So we see then uh, it the context the purpose of this uh, of this sermon on the mount then on what it's getting across and instructing is discipleship discipleship and uh as purely says second question is disciples believers that's in relation to okay what's the purpose for the discipleship of the believers that's correct now and i know my uh last one is a little little more tricky But if we take a look at matthew chapter 6 and the the prayer that jesus gives he says in this manner pray our father which art in heaven we that we call quite uh commonly the lord's prayer it's not the lord's prayer it's the disciples prayer when ye pray after this manner pray ye so he's telling them showing them this is the disciples prayer not the lord's prayer so just Uh, Just the the technical accuracies we're we're taking a look at uh, some of these things. Okay, so we we see the wrap-up of the Sermon on the Mount. We finish that. And so Jesus, he goes up into the Mount, and he he sits down and he teaches his disciples all these things of behavior and judging and and, uh, just the specifics of the faith and Christ's likeness and all the stuff, the fruits of the Spirit. There's so much that went through this. So he finished this up. And we see in verse 28 of matthew chapter 7 verse 28 of matthew chapter 7 and it came to pass when jesus had ended these sayings the people were astonished at his doctrine they were astonished stunned shocked just amazed uh, uh uh, they find it incredible just the power of authority coming from jesus and is teaching these things and we see uh, Constantly, i say unto you i say unto you i say unto you and de- declaring of absolute authority um on these topics of these things and uh how he says you have heard of old time it said this so he's touching on points as taught to them by the law and he says you have heard it was this but now i say unto you who has authority to change specifics and to alter alter details and things in covenant and law. God only. So we see by him doing that, he's also proving and declaring his deity and, and making himself equal to God, as uh, the Pharisees say, because thou, being a man, makest thyself God. And so he, he's showing this by his words, his deeds, his actions, his declarations, proving his deity. And so he teaches, and they are astonished at his doctrine. Uh, doctrine is just the teachings, the, the specifics of instruction. That's what doctrine is, and so the details, all these things, are how the the knowledge and the wisdom of this. And verse twenty nine, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. So he well, taught them as one coming from the the direct author, directly from the author, not as one just reading off papers. Re- reading out of the books and all this stuff. One well, just picks up the catechism and just reads it off. No, no, he's uh, telling them from first person. From first person, he's instructing them. So, verse uh, uh, chapter 8, verse 1. When he was come down from the mount, great multitudes followed him. So they were down there waiting. And all this time he's up there teaching them. And we're not told how long. Now, I've, I have gone over this before. Let's see who can remember. Um, Why is it that when we see things like this, it doesn't exactly tell us how long? like how long they were praying really in some places and how long it took them to get to places in, in parts and how long they were up in the mountain how long they were studying how come time isn't really emphasized in this stuff something to think about <clears throat> when he has come down from the mountain great multitudes followed him so we're not told how long they were waiting like for example we see the feeding of the thousands and then jesus tells his disciples to go and make everybody sit down in the group in the groups and then he gives them the food and tells them to go disperse it we are not told how long it took them to do that so there's several thousand people and that they were to go out and have everybody, everybody sit down in groups of, uh, was it, 50? Sit down in groups of 50. How long would that have taken? And then to take the baskets to go out, feed the people, come back, get more, go out, feed the people, come back, get more, go out and feed the people. How come we're not told how long that took? Because time is irrelevant when it comes to serving the Lord. When it comes to studying your Bible, praying, and service of Christ, and all these things, time itself is irrelevant. It doesn't matter how long it takes. If it takes a minute, an hour, a week, a month, or 50 years, it doesn't matter. Time is irrelevant. And as Purely says here, uh and Kim- kimberly says because the message is timeless purely says god is outside of time and doesn't uh work like we do doesn't matter because we wouldn't understand <laughs> anyway <laughs> you know, the ultimate purposes, the ultimate uh uh points it whether we understand it or not it, again is irrelevant is that we do serve and we don't watch the clock we don't clock watch God so we don't put down time limits in service time limits in prayer time limits in study it, it, it takes as long as it as it takes. So you don't watch the clock. God's purposes are timeless. So okay, so um, Jesus finishes up there and he's coming down the mount with his disciples and great multitudes. Now that's one thing I want to take a look here. multitudes close, a crowd a crowd from the derivative uh, uh a throng of people a throng of people now it says great now great as you see is like like a sea like a sea of people in the in this implication great multitudes multitudes upon multitudes now we've gone over this before in one of the previous uh, gospel walkthroughs i think i spent more time on it in uh the gospel of mark where it talks about some of these groups now it says how all of jerusalem all of the region of judea all of these cities that were whole cities plural would empty out all the people would come out of all the cities all the towns of all the region all around and even far far away people will be coming just this mass huge sea of people it's like um when you when you look on the television and uh, some of those sports games at the large large stadiums that they can hold like a hundred thousand people or whatever it's like that just this sea of people coming to see them the movies and the shows never do justice in this they never do justice. They always show it's just like like maybe 50 people, maybe a hundred people, or if they do bad CGI, they just you know cut and paste the crowds to make it look like a whole bunch more. But uh, but as you see in the word of God, whole cities, towns, whole areas and regions would come down to see him. So this is what it means by great multitudes, followed him. Now the question that I have is why why were these people following him because now we're going to be getting into parts where we see jesus is going to start teaching again to the crowds and we're going to start to see issues problems that people will have with him so we got to ask the question why are they following him in the first place so give us some thought think on this while we go along here so great multitudes following him and as he's coming down the mount and then he's coming down to the people someone comes from the side and it says in verse 2 and behold there came a leper a leper now according to custom that if uh, if you suspected that you would have you had some uh blight or something on you that you suspected could possibly be it starts with like white spots or whatever you would go to the priest and the priest would inspect and would tell you if it was or it wasn't and if it was you had to leave the city and you had to go to uh, um, get away from everybody had to cover it up you follow the protocols all these things and and if anybody else was coming near you you'd have to warn them away from you they, they, they unclean unclean and so they would they bypass you they'd go around you because it's exceptionally contagious and dangerous there's a lot of stuff involved in in the le, leprosy protocols but behold there cam, there comes a leper now out, out from the side and he comes and worships him He falls at the feet of Jesus and worships him. Now, if we take a look at this as worship, it's to, to kiss the hand. Is the actual words here, to prostrate oneself in reverence and to kiss the hand. Now, you are not to touch other people. You aren't supposed to go near other people, not even to come close to them. But this guy comes right up right up to Jesus falls to uh, prostrates himself to 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 Jesus worships him and and the word is to prostrate in reverence and kiss the hand and he grabs Jesus' hand and kisses his hand Now we know that Jesus himself wouldn't even be worried about that kind of thing But you got to wonder about other people's reactions. To be a fly on the wall just for a moment and to look at this, what would have been the reactions of the other people around, of the multitude there and the disciples? Here comes a leper. We're not told how bad it was. Because that's irrelevant. We're not told how bad it was, how, how far along it was. Was he missing a nose? Was his fingers falling off? How bad was it? Was it just, just the beginnings? We don't know. We're not told. But he comes along, wrapped up as a leper, and and, and he comes running up to Jesus, falls at Jesus' feet, worships him, grabs, grabs his hand, kisses his hand, and says, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean if you want to if you want to you can make me clean he calls him lord though capital l lord that means master so he's seeing the authority seeing the power now he now look what he says here specific words folks the specific words all right what does he say he he, he comes and worships him saying lord if thou wilt did you catch that if thou wilt, he does not say if god wills he's not looking at jesus as like some prophet or just some holy man or or even as a representative this is a direct first person address if you because you have the authority you have the power you have the ability you can speak things into existence you are god if thou wilt you see that if thou wilt thou canst make me clean you yourself personally are able to make me clean if you just so wanted to did you catch that so this leper comes running up and he completely ignores the multitude he doesn't care what they say what they think, because if lepers are getting too close to other groups of people uh, they would shout at them to back off get away and if they wouldn't people generally would start throwing stuff to, uh, to drive the lepers out drive them because they're dangerous and uh, they're contagious and they could cause a great problem and we don't want it spreading so but this guy couldn't care less than other people thought he couldn't care less about how they're yelling at him or what they might say what they might do he doesn't care about anyone else Yet he, ha- he has a, a mission to do and that is to come find the Lord Jesus he finds him he finds the Lord Jesus Falls down at Jesus' feet, worships Him. Worships Him. Look at the words and worshipped Him. What does it mean to worship? That this object or person, whatever it is, is the general sense uh, 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 that you have set up in a state of great authority, power, deityship. Of superiority over you and you are subjecting yourself under it as a servant as worshiper or whatever and that this thing is as a god over you this leper saw the deity of jesus christ he knew who jesus was he knew who jesus was and he worships him kisses his hand declares in honor and glory of Jesus, Jesus great authority, if you just so wanted to, you can cleanse me. Do so you see so much in this, just in his actions? Just in the the demeanor, the attitude, the specific words tells us exactly what was going on in the mind of this man. Worshipped him, Lord, if thou wilt thou canst make me clean. Verse 3, and Jesus put forth his hand. So this guy is on his face right in front of jesus and he grabs jesus hand kisses his hand and jesus reaches forward jesus reaches for puts his hand on him now you'll note something here all throughout the word of god we have seen instances uh with prophets priests and angels that if prophets priests or angels ever appeared to someone ever came to somebody and individuals fell before them and we also saw this with uh, some of the apostles like uh um one group a group of folk did with uh, with uh, peter where they fell before peter started worshiping him what would the prophets the priests the angels and the apostles do if someone fell before them and worshiped them what would they do if they bowed to them to do reverence to them the prophets priests angels and apostles every last one of them would always reject it They would reject it and redirect it to God. Say, "Don't worship me. Don't bow to me. Don't don't reverence me. Reverence only the Lord." All the prophets, all the priests, all the angels, all the apostles would always deny it, reject it, and redirect it back to God. But what would Jesus do? We see Jesus uh, in many instances. uh, The uh, the the. the lepers the centurions we would see mary who washed his feet uh, we see other other people coming uh, the apostles the disciples after the resurrection there were multiple instances where people came and worshiped jesus it happened multiple times people would worship jesus and every single last time that they did this Jesus always accepted it, blessed it, and declared to them how they were right to do so. In some some means, some fashion. He would always bless it. He would always accept it. What does that in and of itself say and tell you? Where the angels would reject it, the prophets would reject it, the apostles would reject it. But Jesus would accept it and bless it so he worships jesus and jesus accepts the worship he kisses jesus hand jesus blesses him he calls jesus lord and makes a request and jesus reaches out his hand and blesses him touches him saying i will be thou clean i will so we see that the lord honoring this man those who honor me i will honor just as the lord says those who honor me i will honor so we come before the lord in purity of heart and worship and service and worshiping of our lord jesus christ honoring his name lifting him up high and holy and praising him being in fellowship with him walking with him and we will walk in penit- in penitence of heart And we make our requests known unto God with thanksgiving and praise. And the Lord honors our requests because of our fellowship, our worship, and our praise of him. Those that honor me, I will honor. I will. This man, now, we're not told how bad it was. We're not told how bad his leprosy was. It could have been quite severe. Now, this is, I'm now stepping into the realm of complete theoreticals. Hypotheticals. Now, if this man had come to Jesus, completely wrapped up like you know mummy type, his whole head is all wrapped up because of the leprosy. His nose is rotted off. His ears are rotted off. His flesh is fallen off. Fingers have fallen off, and all this. He comes and he's just all wrapped up, and he's all falling apart. Say, say he's even missing digits. Doesn't matter. Or even if it was just a simple blight, uh, it was just the beginnings, some spots. Whether it was the worst case scenario of leprosy literally falling apart and rotting. Or it was just starting. Jesus, God Almighty, with his mighty hand, that he fashioned Adam from the dust of the ground. The same hand that flung the stars into space. The same hand that fashioned Adam. This hand of God. God Almighty reached out. He touched this this leprous man. And if you were standing right there. If you were right there with the disciples. They saw it. That Jesus reaches out the moment Jesus says the words. I will. Be thou clean. Instantly, you would have seen it like a wave, all the leprosy just disappear. Now, what about the missing digits? Would they have grown back? What did Jesus do with the uh, the servant in the garden who Peter with his sword cut his ear off? What did what did Jesus do? if you read the Gospels Jesus picked up the man's severed ear and plopped it back on we see the the vision of Ezekiel is it Ezekiel in the valley of dry bones where by the word of God all the bones started rattling and came and put themselves together and flesh and sinew grew back on and skin grew back on and the breath of God came and they brought them back this this multitude of skeletons and dry bones brought them all back together and they stood up alive again. The Lord is able. It doesn't matter where the pieces of bones of his fingers are, that they would have grown right back. The Lord would have knitted him right back whole again, not partially. The word of God does not work in partiality. It works in fullness of power. This man would have gone right back to full state of strength and health. Everything that was missing would have been back. Because Jesus says, be thou clean, I will, be thou clean. Cleansed of all that the leprosy had done to him, he would have been whole again. That's the power of Jesus Christ, because he is God people mock this thing say well i don't know about that why are you diminishing the ability of the sheer power and the immensity of the word of the living god when god says be thou whole be thou clean and stretch forth thine hand and that it be whole again it is done he fashioned adam from dirt he scraped dirt together into the shape of adam And he breathed into him the breath of life and created a living soul and this this form of a man made out of dirt turned into bone flesh and skin sinew blood hearts lungs guts brain eyes that all appeared out of the dirt and he stood up and this same one says the same thing to this poor leper be thou clean be thou whole The power of the living God, the the, the word which spoke the universe into existence is speaking now to a lowly man in love and honor and saying, I will be thou clean. Look what it says. And immediately, it didn't take days, weeks, months, immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. The moment Jesus said it, the leprosy just departed from him. You see, when I read the scriptures like this, I like to really pay attention to the scenario. I like to paint pictures with the words. Because we read these things so many times or we read the words. But I like to see it. I like to see the man I like to see see Jesus and and, the, and who's around where are they what's going on what's being said I, I want to know what it, what is the what's the smell the the, the sight the the, the sound what, what's it like here what's going on what did this leper look like what, what what would all the other people of standing around what would have been their reactions now? The, the disciples would have been kind of surprised. There's a leper suddenly grabbing Jesus. And you know there's there'd possibly be gasps. Yeah. Ooh, what are you doing? Uh, the instinctual reactions because it's driven into you. But by the culture and society, lepers don't do that. They're not supposed to. And this one comes running up, falls on his face before Jesus and grabs his hand. Lord, if you can, you can make me clean. I will be thou clean. And the leprosy departs and now the the look and the shock and the the awe and the wonder of the people standing around this man on his face as a leper stands up completely clean who knows maybe he fell on his face with no nose his nose had rotted off with the leprosy and he's on his face before the lord and he stands up and there's no there he has a nose again well how'd that happen See, these are things to think about because when you look at the pictures in this manner, it brings so much more to the story. It brings so much more to the person of Jesus Christ, of his sheer power. And when you read multitudes, what does that mean? It means a great sea of people. It starts to bring the word of God alive. It makes it bigger than what we have known it before. The word of God is bigger. There's much more to it. There's more to the story, more to the person. Really pay attention to what's going on. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Now, I don't mean to offend, but I have a real problem with charismatic faith healers if you like those folks that's your choice i don't if you follow that kind of thing that's that's your choice i don't but and i the other day i went on to youtube and just, just because i just i wanted to look up i typed in christian miracles and wonders it says in the search bar i knew i was going to get all kinds of nonsense but i just wanted to see and there's this one video that it's been going all all over the place making its rounds across Instagram and across Facebook and across YouTube and it shows these folks with this uh poor individual who's a quadriplegic basically in a wheelchair and they're praying over the person to to heal them in Jesus name and all this and 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 and, they spend all great time you know singing and everything and praying, and praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and then they reach down and this person is still all like this. They, their arms are all bent up and they, they their legs are still all just bone and they can't move but they grab the person and they start and they keep praying and they praying and praying and praying and they stand the person up and they're like trying to balance them and they're still holding on and supporting the person. they're like look the Lord is healing them look the Lord is giving them strength to stand. and then they keep praying and keep going and keep going and they're like keep the chair close in case he needs to sit down keep the chair close in case he falls I got a problem whenever you would see Jesus or the apostles by the power of God working miracles and signs and wonders you see, the men who had never walked before, or the crippled man, the man with the palsy or other people, or Peter and John, the man, the crippled man at the temple, whatever that we see in the Bible that the Lord would heal a person who's a cripple or something like this, whatever, it wasn't a long drawn out process and it was instantaneous. They didn't have to help support the person and keep the chair close and and support the person. Look, the Lord has healed them. healings in the word of God when we see these things were instant and it was full I don't understand how just the delusion the delusion in the charismatic movement the delusion upon those folks or where they they see people they're still hobbling they're still cripples how are they healed and I even commented on the one and I guess that was a mistake uh I commented on the one of these folks trying to the uh, uh, healing this purse this Crip this cripple person who clearly wasn't healed and I says uh how is it a healing by God if there's still a cripple if you have to carry them and they still have to use the wheelchair and they can't stand alone they can't walk they can't go walking and leaping and praising God how how is that a healing of God if there's still a cripple oh <laughs> that was a mistake I'll tell you all all the charismatics in that one my goodness they were not happy don't don't pop their bubble of delusion I'm telling you that they're they can't handle reality so yeah but look at this and immediately his leprosy was cleansed and Jesus said unto him now here's something that I've always found kind of odd until I did studies on this and the Lord showed me uh, the meaning of this in verse four okay this man was healed by Jesus from his leprosy in verse four Jesus then says to to the man who was a leper and is now whole Jesus says see thou tell no man okay so with that then we got to back up a little bit and we do see okay as jesus was coming down to the multitude he was not yet at the multitude that this leper leper had snuck up part way and met jesus on the way he was going to see jesus the multitude stayed there but he kept going he kept going up we're not told how far up he got maybe because as a leper he didn't have much energy and he kind of gassed out part way and he just waited he was just waiting but he went he was going to see jesus and he meets jesus on the way now here here's just another thought now we're getting fun here's just another thought jesus is god right yep he's god he knows all things right Yep. so Jesus up in the mount with his disciples, and he's telling them uh, the ser- the sermon on the mount of ch- chapter 5, 6, and 7. He's telling them all this stuff. In the mind of God, he, he, as he's teaching his disciples, in his, in his infinite mind, all-seeing, all-knowing, all-present, the Spirit of God, he's watching this leper. He's watching him. He's watching him come up. He's working his way up. We're not told how far he got. But he's watching him he's keeping an eye because as jesus up there he could have come down the mount on any angle anywhere he could have come down the mount he just so happened to come down in the spot where this leper was coincidence luck luck of the leper He was lucky he met Jesus in that area that Jesus just happened by sheer chance and coincidence happened to just come down in that right spot. Chance, luck, coincidence. No. The Lord knew. What does the word of God say? He knows all things. He knows all things that we have need of. He already knows. And he meets us in our service in our worship. He meets us in the way. When we are following Him, we're seeking after Him. We're following in His footsteps. He meets us in the way we see it many times uh, of certain the blind men and lepers and other people uh, the ill or the the widow the poor widow whose son died and they're carrying him out and he's on he's on the the pallet and they're carrying out to bury him and jesus just so happened to be there the, the samaritan woman at the well he just so happened to be there and the woman came came by was that just luck everything the lord does is with purpose and he does it on purpose he knows what he's doing He knows what he's doing in our lives as well. We need not fear. We need not worry. We need not doubt. Jesus knew that man was there. That man on the side of the mountain, trying to make his way, trying to find Jesus. He was following the footsteps. He knew Jesus up there somewhere, and he was heading that direction. And Jesus met him because of his faith. Because of his faith. I will be thou clean now Jesus then says to him see thou tell no man don't go and spread it around everywhere why why don't tell anyone but go your way show thyself to the priest And offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them but go and and follow follow the protocols of the law as was instructed but don't tell anybody what happened why see that's that's the question that uh, bothered me for a while it's just I just wondered why would the Lord tell him not to tell anyone there have been many other times that Jesus healed people in front of others and didn't tell them not to tell anyone but why would he tell this man i wondered and i wondered and i wondered and then i saw in john chapter six it brought the answer to me john chapter six take a look at john chapter six and we want verse 26. Now we see in John chapter six, uh multitudes again are following him, and Jesus goes across on the boat across the sea. And when Jesus reached the other side, the people and the multitude found him again. They said, Master, when camest thou hither? In verse twenty-six, John six verse twenty-six, Jesus says something here. Verily, verily, meaning truly, truly, I say unto you, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. You're following me for the benefits. You're following me for the benefits. Because you're enjoying the benefits of the faith, and you don't care about the teaching. You don't care about the doctrine. You don't care so much about what i'm saying you just want your belly full you just you just want the healings you just want the miracles you just want the the benefits of the faith and you don't want the instruction so okay take that and go back here matthew 8 verse 4 see thou tell no man why because the people hear jesus is healing lepers people are gonna throng him for more healings and the benefits of the faith. And they're, and they're coming not for the instruction, not for the words, not for the sermons, not for, not for the teaching. They're coming for the benefits. Jesus wants people to come for the conviction. He's preaching repentance in the kingdom of God. He's preaching righteousness. And he's helping people see how to be saved. And he wants people to pay attention to that. He's pointing them to, to, the, to the correct faith. And he doesn't want people just thronging him for the side benefits you see that you see that so see that tell no man but go your way and as is is supposed to be done when uh, le- lepers suspect that they're that the that the leprosy is gone and that they've been healed from this and they've been delivered from it they go back to the priest and the priest reinspects them to make sure that there is nothing left and if they are clean they are pronounced as clean and then they offer up a sacrifice of thanksgiving to god that's what jesus is pointing out here show this up to the priest and offer the gift that moses commanded for a testimony unto them the testimony of the goodness of god of uh, of of this now verse 5 and when jesus had entered into capernaum so he finishes up there and he heads back to capernaum when jesus was entered into capernaum there came unto him a centurion a roman centurion a roman soldier a gentile Not a Jew. What happens here? You see, throughout the Word of God, uh, as we see in Acts, it says that God has made all the nations of the earth of one blood. All lives matter. God has made all the nations of the earth of one blood. God so loved the world all are equal it doesn't matter who you are what you are where you are it doesn't matter what language you're speaking what color you are what your nationality is your location it's all irrelevant it doesn't matter because everybody has red blood and everybody is made in the image of God everybody has a living soul and everybody needs to be born again saved all lives matter to God so so we see by this it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, bond or free, male or female. All are made one in Christ. All are made one in Christ, and as you see in the Old Testament, that the Gentiles were also called uh, to the belief of the faith of the Lord God of Israel. We see it many times of Gentiles of of, uh, of all different nationalities and stuff that are non-Jews. Gentiles, not a Jew. You have Jews and Gentiles. That's all you got and all different Gentile nations people believe we see uh, we see Nineveh and Nebuchadnezzar I'm always pointing out we see uh Pharaoh Nebo uh, was actually a believer in Jehovah God in the Bible and the one passage I forget the reference but there's Pharaoh Nebo I believe his name was uh who believed in Jehovah God a Pharaoh of Egypt and then we see Nebuchadnezzar Gentile Emperor of Babylon Believed on the Lord. Wrote Daniel chapter four. hundred and twenty thousand Gentile pagan Ninevites repented and believed on the Lord, got saved. And we see, see here, even Roman, uh, a Gentile Roman centurion, met Jesus in the way. And Jesus entered the Capernaum, and there came unto him a centurion. Now this is the captain of of uh, of, a, of a large group of soldiers. A man in great authority and great power and great influence now these individuals have authority to execute arrest detain whoever whatever they want to any of the jews this man has power to if he if he so desired to put to death any jew he wanted to arrest interrogate torture as he saw fit but this one the centurion comes to jesus beseeching him now we see even in the words here beseeching to call to one's side to call to someone to address to beg to beg see he sees jesus and he starts begging jesus this this roman soldier centurion captain of high authority and 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 standing is begging jesus beseeching pleading imploring beseeching and saying lord master this roman centurion roman centurion is calling this this jewish man master lord calling him lord Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy. Now, palsy. Oh my goodness, how do I pronounce this? Paraluticos. Paraluticos. Paralytic. Means paralytic. Suffering from the relaxing of the nerves of one's side, disabled, weak of limb. So, paralytic. My servant lies at home sick of the palsy grievously tormented grievously tormented now we take a look here the the way that the centurion met christ firstly he was he didn't come demanding we see no pride no pride the the nation that has come and has conquered Israel, has taken over, and holding Israel captive in this in this way, and Israel is now in subjection to Rome. The Romans were seen as superior to the Jews, they saw themselves as superior, and, and great pride is the way that they would control Israel and the Jews. But this centurion comes to Jesus humble, no pride comes begging Jesus and calls him Lord. If my people, which are called by my name, should humble themselves and pray and seek my face. What was this one doing? He was praying Jesus, seeking Jesus in humility, no pride, a penitent man who feared the Lord, reverenced Jesus, this is why Jesus then says in verse 7 and Jesus then says to him I will come and heal him I'll, I'll, I'll come and heal him those who honor me I will honor it doesn't matter who it is it doesn't matter who it is I will come and heal him Jesus says now look what he says here in verse 7 now pay attention to the words that Jesus says here I will." Come and heal him. I will heal him. Declaring that he himself has power to heal. We see it again. Another proof of divinity. A proof of divinity by what the leper did with Jesus. And now a proof of divinity even by Jesus' reaction to the centurion. Do angels in and of themselves have power to heal and deliver? To raise the dead? No what about prophets no holy men no priests no apostles no only god has power to heal and deliver jesus i will heal the centurion then in response to this when jesus i will come to your house and i will heal your servant and the centurion answered and says lord master i am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof now hold up just a moment like as uh, as peter says at one point uh, lord depart from me i'm a sinful man we we see the brokenness of the centurion the humility of this man where, where he he didn't even see his own home as being worthy enough to, for Jesus to even come and, and for his shadow to fall across his doorway. He saw himself as so broken and weak uh, before the Lord it, 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 in such humility, such humility, but yet such reverence of Jesus, of, of such elevation of power and authority. This is what this man had done this centurion had elevated Jesus to such a state of power and authority he, he he was even afraid of Jesus coming to his house that he was just so not worthy the centurion says Lord I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof but but just just say the word but just speak the word only right here where we are I know that if you just say the word But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Are you seeing it? Who has power of such power that it doesn't matter where they are. They could just say the word, and it just happens. Who has power of the living word? Do you see? by just the very words that this man is saying what he believes of Jesus this man this centurion believed that Jesus is God has personal authority calls him Lord humbles himself under the mighty hand of God and says just Lord just say the word and I know that my servant will be healed for I for I am a man under authority As a centurion, I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth; and to another come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. I I can, I can say the word, and things happen, but I know who you are, and I know the authority you have, that you can just say the word, and things happen. When Jesus heard it, verse 10, Jesus standing there, in verse 10 Jesus heard it he marveled now Jesus, hold up a second Jesus marveled what does that mean what does it mean that Jesus marveled marveled Thou, mezzo to wonder wonder at marvel to to be wondered at to be held in admiration Jesus standing there would have been so pleased, so honored, so glorified, so worshipped. Now what we're seeing in chapter 8 here is different forms of worship. We see actual worship by the leper would fall down before Jesus in prostration and the actual act of physical worship. You're able to worship in, in, in a physical sense in this way, but then we see another form of worship as by the centurion of you are worshiping Jesus Christ, worshiping God by the very declaration of of who and what he is and what he's able to do by the statements of his power and authority that is worship worship by word there's worship by action and worship by word this man this centurion was worshiping jesus by by his very words declaring that that as as emphatic fact of what jesus is and what he's able to do do you see that And Jesus, when he heard this, was in great admiration of this. He was so pleased by this. He so loved this, that this man would state these things about him and would elevate Jesus in such regard. And Jesus heard it and marveled and said unto them that followed, Verily, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. (laughs) Oh, hold up a sec. Here's something. Jesus himself says, You see this, boys? This Roman, this Gentile, this Roman centurion soldier that is that as part of the force that has taken over Israel this Gentile Roman soldier has more faith than anyone that I have seen in Israel thus far and Jesus praised this man bless this man for his faith in front of all the others That a Gentile, a Roman Gentile soldier, had more faith than even the disciples did at the time. And what did Jesus do? Jesus says, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west and shall and shall sit down with abraham and isaac and jacob in the kingdom of heaven what did jesus just say there in verse 11. <clears throat> now this this is a, a prophecy from the old testament by one of the prophets that jesus is referencing here and jesus says that many shall come from the east and the west that's the corners of the earth from all around all around the world for everybody in the east and everybody way out in the west and everybody will come and sit down with abraham and isaac and jacob that means gentiles and jews from all over the world gentiles and jews from all over the world will come and sit down in the kingdom of heaven what does this have to do with the roman centurion soldier here the fact that jesus says this in verse 11 in direct relation to what the roman soldier had said jesus's reaction is about people coming and joining in the kingdom of heaven what is jesus saying this man this centurion this roman soldier is saved He's a saved man. This Roman soldier centurion is a saved man and will be sitting in the kingdom of heaven with you, Peter, with you, James, with you, John, with you, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. This Roman soldier will be sitting with you in the kingdom of heaven. Many will come from the east and the west that shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What's he saying there? He's talking about how, how Israel will reject Christ. Israel will reject Christ. Those that are considered the chosen of God. The descendants of abraham but as john the baptist had said to the Pharisees, say not because i am an, i am of abraham that, that that i am saved god is able of these stones to raise up to raise up children because uh, because they had rejected jesus but because that they were jews because they saw us as jews and they were keeping the law they saw that, that that's what justified them and they rejected christ that those that are that are seen as the chosen uh, of god will be cast out will be rejected." because they rejected Christ but Gentiles will make it in when when many of the Jews won't it's what it says you can call that whatever you want I've had people call me racist people call me anti-semitic and all the rest of it all for quoting scripture look at what it says these are the words of Jesus not my words you get into heaven, not because, you're, you're, because of your bloodline, not because of your ancestry, not because of your heritage, not because of your traditions, not because of your good works, not because of this, not because of that. You only get in because you believed on the only begotten Son of God. When you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, your Lord God and Savior, that's what justifies you. That's what validates you. That's what saves you. Nothing else. Not because you're a Jew, not because of your descendancy, not any of that because of your faith in Jesus Christ so Jesus finishes up talking about this and then Jesus turns back to the centurion who's standing there who heard all of this and Jesus says to the centurion as the centurion had said just say the word and I know it'll be so and Jesus says to the centurion verse 13 go your way and as thou hast believed so be it done unto thee as thou hast believed so be it done unto thee and his servant was healed in the self same hour that and the moment that jesus said it right there the same hour boom he was healed completely healed As thou hast believed, not doubting in your heart the things which ye ask, ye shall have whatsoever ye ask. Ask and ye shall receive, seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be opened. All throughout the Word of God we see this again and again the Lord honoring delivering helping those that come to him in pureness of heart and faith and love and humbleness before god humbling yourself under the mighty hand of god serving of the lord uh, worshiping the lord the lord honors those who honor him because look at this jesus didn't even go to the guy's house the centurion says you don't need to but jesus could, could he still have if he so wanted to to, to to show him that that all who come before the lord are worthy that we don't have to earn our worthiness that we are given worthiness because we have believed that that we don't have to earn favor we are we, we are given favor because of our faith he could have shown this but he didn't why didn't why didn't jesus go to the centurion's house to prove the point that because the man was saved he was a child of god and that the lord the lord uh, would not uh, neglect or avoid but that we have favor with god because we're saved why didn't jesus go to his house why didn't jesus go to his house because what the centurion said. But speak the word only. But speak the word only. What was more important, Jesus going to the house or proving His divine power, proving His superiority, proving uh, uh, He is God by saying the word from a long distance we're not told how far away from a long distance he just says the word and he is healed just as jesus did with lazarus he just says the word lazarus come forth and lazarus bound hand and foot wrapped right up comes floating out of the tomb the power of the spoken word the power of the spoken word proving his identity because as we see the word which is god became flesh and dwelt among us go thy way as thou hast believed what did the centurion believe that if jesus just says the word it'll be he believed that god honored that he honored his belief. He honored what what he had brought up, that Lord, if you just say the word, I know. I believe in the word of God. And he proved it. Jesus justified, validated, proved this man's faith. He says, if you just say the word, Jesus proved that. That yes, you can trust the word of God. You can trust the word of God. Trusting in the Word of God, is more important than than having the the actual presence darken the door of your home for the for that experience. The Word of God is more important than experiences. You see it. You see it. I don't need the flashing lights or the sensations. I don't need the experiences and the visions and the dreams. And I don't need any of that. All I need is the Word. The Word of God is sufficient. The Word of God brings life. The Word of God saves. The Word of God convicts. The Word of God delivers. The Word of God heals. The Word of God is all I need. I don't need anything else. I don't need the experience of even Jesus stepping into my house and sitting in my chairs. I don't need the experiences. I just need the word of God because it's sufficient. Because it is the very word of God. As thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. Now, we see Jesus say, saying this to, to others at times, too. There, there's a, uh, a woman. According to thy faith, be it unto thee. According to thy faith, be it unto thee. And here we see it again. As thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. When when the Lord God says something once, that's important, when he says it more than once, this means stop what you're doing and really pay attention. I know I have talked on this before. I don't need to go over this in great detail again. But just something to consider. Look what Jesus says. As thou hast believed. What is the state, the quality of belief of many professed Christians these days? Fearful. Doubting. Questioning, corrupted, weak, very weak faith. And one thing as as well, I've talked about this with others. I talk about this with my family from time to time, and some of my friends. Is is something that really, really, really bothers me that that I've noticed with with our culture, our our Western cultures and civilization, with our advancement of technology and sciences and everything else that's going on. I've noticed that the the mental state of many 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 christians is if i could say nigh agnostic almost atheistic in 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 approach to signs and wonders and miracles that That somehow with our advancements of first world technologies and abilities and medication and uh, toys, all of our stuff that that we have stripped the faith of its supernatural effect of miracles, signs and wonders, and we become very dismissive, very agnostic towards very doubting of actual signs and wonders. like we we pray for healing but we, we, when we pray for it that the Lord will heal the person I'm about okay now you need to go to the doctor you need to go do this and go do that and we kind of strip the ability of God off of things and and we we say we believe in these things but we say it but we doubt it We don't really believe well because i haven't seen it oh so that's the same argument the atheists use well i don't see god so he doesn't exist well i haven't seen miracles so therefore cessationism see how that works cessationism is the christian's atheism i said it there i said it you can get all mad at me as you want I said it but that is that is 100% what I believe I personally I personally 100% believe that cessationism is the Christian's equivalent is the Christian's agnosticism atheism towards signs and wonders they doubt it they don't believe because they don't see it I haven't seen it I haven't seen evidences so therefore I'm going to create a whole new form of Christianity that is that is devoid of all supernatural signs and wonders and I'll even preach against it and say that people that believe in this stuff are, are nonsense. They don't know what they're talking about. They strip away the, the, the power and ability of Christ. But where in the Word of God does it say that the signs and wonders and miracles are done and gone and ended and don't exist for today? Well, that was for back in the Apostles' time. Show me, book chapter verse show me where it says signs and wonders are ended and are only meant for back then show me well because we don't see it today well maybe it's because as thou hast believed so be it done unto thee because thou, because you don't believe it because you doubt it because you don't accept it that's why you're not seeing it because what did jesus say as thou hast believed according to thy faith be it unto thee are you telling me the missionaries they go to third world countries and go to all these other places and the reports the constant 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 reports of great and amazing miracles signs and wonders and healings and deliverances are you telling me they're all lies they're all fabrications they don't know what they're talking about what about all the other christians that have answered prayers direct immediate answers to prayer praying for family and friends and co-workers and where the healings or provisions other things that the lord answers are they, is that not miracles where does it say that god doesn't do things today anymore it doesn't so get get that that christian agnosticism out of your head and come back to the faith as it is in pureness what does it say as thou hast believed but what we do is we question the ferocity of god we question the ability of god which is which is disrespectful irreverent questioning the very validity of the word of the living god by saying well i don't know if god is able can god furnish a, a dinner in the wilderness can god bring us water from the rock and the lord is grieved and grew angry with them because of their doubt according to thy faith, be it unto thee. And the Lord even says about um, not doubting in your heart, you'll have the request which he asked. But when you, if you doubt these things, you don't believe, and you question the very veracity of God, he's not going to answer you. And that's not proof of cessationism. That is proof of your fear and doubt and unbelief. That's what it says. Tell me I'm wrong. And the servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Now, falling on the heels of this, you know me quite quite well, you should by now. And what I believe, what I hold to the word of God, and what I say about how all healing, all powers, all abilities are of the Lord and the Lord alone. No person is a healer. No person Has abilities and powers in and of themselves god is the only one who heals god is the only one that delivers i have personally had the honor of witnessing miracles of god direct answers to prayer uh, uh, of provision protection and help deliverance and healing i have personally witnessed divine healing on number of different people praying over them and it's instant i'm praying other, over others and they're delivered i have seen it i've witnessed it are you telling me i'm wrong are you telling me that that was just something else that wasn't of god how can how can one hold on to any form of cessationism when you truly believe in the in the Word of God. I, d- I don't understand that. A- another one is that uh, I have actually witnessed one as uh, years ago. I mentioned it before, I'll mention it again. Uh, there is a fellow I used to work with. He was a staunch, dogmatic, angry, Christ-hating, God-hating, Bible-hating atheist. Mocked Jesus, mocked the Bible regularly when he found out that I was a Christian well he he really made fun of it quite a bit um but uh over time we started to become friends I I I tried to you know tried to reach out to him and tried to befriend him and we we started to become friends it got to the point where he wouldn't make fun or whatever he he respected my beliefs and all this and he and he stopped making fun of it it took a while but he softened up and uh and as so we worked on the same team in security and uh we looked worked on this large uh, resort area that had a lot of different bars around and uh, we'd have to deal with the the drunks and do first aid and all that kind of stuff and and if certain people are getting out of hand uh we were trained by the police and all this stuff to uh make arrests we had handcuffs body armor and all that stuff and um anyways this one night there's this really 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 big guy like a football linebacker kind of guy really massive guy was just hammered drunk out of his mind causing fights and everything and unfortunately he had to be arrested well he didn't want to be arrested he fought and we were able to get him down, and but in the process of taking him down to place him under arrest, there was a bit of a fumble, and my friend uh, had his leg trapped under the big guy and wound up cracking the tibia in his leg, and cracking that one bone, and uh, it, and uh, so he had to be rushed to the hospital. They did X-rays, and there's a crack right through the bone in his leg, clear as day, crack right through. And he was really upset for that. And because he was just about to go and actually apply to get another job uh, to work in uh, prisons as a, as a guard. And it was a high paying job. And now he's going to lose that because of his leg, because all this, uh, everything else. And so I, the Lord put it on me to, to actually go to him, go to my friend and make a proposition. So I go to my friend and he he shows up at work uh and uh he has the cast and everything he tells of everything that's happened and i i say to him i say tell you what how about i pray and ask the lord to heal your leg now this guy who is an atheist he turned to me he smiles he says you know what i I appreciate that i appreciate that thank you and the lord put on me push a little more so I said okay tell you what how about I pray and ask the Lord that he would heal your leg so quickly that you would have to acknowledge that it was him that did it he looked at me with uh kind of squid his eyes looking at me like sure sure he's like I know what you're doing I see what you're doing he says sure sure okay i appreciate that thank you now he didn't curse it he didn't he wasn't disrespectful or anything he accepted it and like okay so i prayed over him i was praying and praying and and then we see yeah, he I had to go home and uh and i kept praying kept praying i made sure he understood that i was praying for him and then i saw saw him a week later I'm standing out at, at work and I'm standing at my post outside, and uh, all the people and everything are milling around and all this stuff going on. And I, I look over, I hear some commotion, and uh, this one alleyway coming out to the big main plaza area, I see that there he is. There's my friend. Walking. Literally leaping. He was a very animated character. He's a crossfitter. He is ex-MMA and all this other stuff. He's very active and all this kind of stuff. And he's literally jumping up and down and running around his friends. He's coming in with some of his friends. And he and he sees me across the plaza and he comes tearing across, running over to me. And he's like, Hey Matt, how's it going? I'm like, Hey, uh, what's with the leg? He's like, Oh, crazy story uh is a, a a number of days ago uh my legs was feeling weird so i went back to the doctor and they checked it out and did more x-rays and the crack was gone i'm like really he's like yeah I'm like how'd that happen he's like i don't know i'm like yes you do he says what I'm like yes yeah, you know exactly how that happened He's like what do you mean i'm like did i not tell you that I'd be praying that the lord would heal your leg so quickly you would have to acknowledge him that it was him that did it he looked like he just got hit by a truck his mouth just dropped open his face just kind of like like he suddenly had the enlightenment and i said i i told him i says now tell me do broken legs heal in a day or just a couple days do broken legs broken bones cracked bones heal that swiftly he's like no i said then tell me what happened and out of the mouth of an ex-atheist he said God healed my leg. i guess like, yes, he did. And his name is Jesus. And, and uh, he became obsessed with Jesus Christ after that. He believed. He believed. And that is the point and the purpose of the wonders of God, is to get people to see there is power in the name, there's validity in the name, there's justification in the name, there's truth in Christ, there's power in Christ, that he still heals, he still does it for his glory, not mine, for his honor, not mine, for his validity, his justification in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He went walking and leaping and praising God. This is the point and the purpose of not for our benefit not for the satiation of the Saints not for our our experiences and not for our feelings not for our justification but for his it's for his honor and his alone it's all about him I'm no healer but I know the great physician I have no power but I know who does I have nothing silver and gold have I none but such as I have I have Jesus Christ and I know he can heal he can deliver he can provide he can save he can do it all and and by the by the mere power of his spoken word he could do it it doesn't matter where you are across on on the internet on the phone uh, through email text whether you're on the other side of the planet or not it doesn't matter means distance location it doesn't matter who or what you are jew or gentile bond or free male or female black or white or brown or any other color any language nationality doesn't matter jesus christ is the name above all names he saves he heals he delivers And he is the only one and there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved and the point of and the purpose of signs and wonders and miracles is to show people there's power in the name of jesus christ so that they would but repent and believe in the gospel that's the purpose that's the reason that's why jesus didn't go to the centurion's house because he was showing he was demonstrating you can trust the word because I said it, and he backs it up. I am the resurrection and the life, and he backs it up by raising Lazarus. I have the power to give life, and he does it. I am the bread of life, and he, and he provides the bread and feeds the thousands. Master, if it is you, tell me to come to you. Come, Peter, walk on the water. The point and the purpose, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, I give give unto thee. I give you Jesus Christ. Trust in the name of Jesus Christ. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He delivers. He helps. He provides. He strengthens. He is the one. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Amen. This is what it's about. This is what it's about. And I pity, I pity the professed Christians that don't have faith. They say they have faith, but they deny him by their works. Unbelief. The Word of God talks about the fearful and the unbelieving. The fearful and the unbelieving. Who, who, Who don't put faith. And that the Lord can protect, provide. They think that they, they, they have to say the words, but that they have to carry that God is so up, so high up there, you can't really have a personal relationship that you have to take all power and authority and measures in your own hands. You can't just trust Him that He will make it come to pass, that you, somehow you have to make it come to pass. You have to protect yourself, help yourself and all these things. You have to take the matters in your own hands. But the Lord says, no, let go, trust me. And his servant was healed in the self-same hour. His servant was healed in the self-same hour. A uh, fellow here, a uh, big uh, San says, are you free grace? Absolutely, because it's not by works not by works james 2 is not talking about salvation is talking to christians who are already saved it's talking about charity and christian behavior for the purpose of promotion of the faith matthew 24 endure to the end shall be saved is talking about the end days or back up read the whole context not talking about salvation he's talking about about uh uh sufferings of the, the the persecutions and oppressions and the tribulation because it's limited and dear to the end you'll be delivered from the, these things it's the same context talks about women who are who are saved in childbearing means delivered from the pangs and the agonies we, we see hebrews 6 4 to 6 is talking about unsaved people under the enlightenment rejecting the enlightenment how hard it be to renew them again because they've already seen it what's to draw them again it's by free grace, because not by works, not by righteous works, not by works of the law, not of yourselves, lest any man shall boast. We're saved by grace, the unmerited favor of God, by believing, trust, faith. Faith is not works. Faith is not obedience. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We're saved by grace through faith, by belief alone, not by works, not by righteous works, not by works of the law. So yes, absolutely by free grace, because grace is free. And if it's grace plus works, grace ceases to exist. see jesus who offers freely his grace his mercy all who come to him he will no wise cast out all who believe in him he will never deny you're out in the hand of the father no man can pluck you out that means you can't pluck yourself out either salvation cannot be lost taken away or recanted because it's by grace not by works those who come to the lord those who seek his face and humility and prayer and devotion worship and repentance the Lord honors those who honor him then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land so Jesus heals the servant and we see in verse 13 and his servant was healed in the self same hour verse 14 when Jesus was coming to Peter's house he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever there's another one she uh, she was sick of of a fever laid out on the bed is suffering really bad fever really bad illness and Jesus walks over touches her hand and the fever left her he just touches her hand (smack) gone fever gone and she arose and ministered unto them and she immediately sat up saw what happened and you started ministering we see a third means of worship we see physical act of worship falling before the Lord and prostration and kissing of the hand the second we see worship and worship of word by uh, by praising and declaration of the abilities of God and thirdly worship by service Worship by service. Uh, where, uh, you show a devotion and a reverence and a worship of the Lord in, in uh, setting aside your desires and serving of the Lord. Uh, whether even, even in the means like Martha clanging about the pots. Now the Lord didn't say what she was doing, that that the serving itself was wrong, but her attitude. But her attitude. And we see this one here, uh, Peter's wife's mother is got up and started serving. Serving to, uh, just out of pureness of heart and, and, and devotion in uh, respect and uh, showing her admiration to the Lord for what he had done for her. So we see worship by service. And he, And she arose and ministered unto them. When the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. Now look what it says here possessed with devils and many that were possessed with devils now i want you to just kind of use your sanctified imagination and just picture this just for a moment you just witnessed some great mighty powerful miracles of jesus with the leper with the centurion and now this this lady and now you're you're here and all of a sudden you hear this thronging outside tons of people are coming and look what it says and when the evening so it's now the sun is setting it's now evening the end of the day people brought unto him many that were possessed with devils so now there's tons of demoniacs now I don't really want to painted picture much of what that would have looked like your imagination can pretty much do it for yourself (laughs) but imagine a great number great amount many demoniacs demonically possessed individuals outside of your home a whole bunch of them they're out there frothing at the mouth, doing everything else and screaming and shouting and going crazy, saying stupid things like all that occurs during demonic possession. Jesus goes out there. Look what it says. So they're all there, all laid out, all these demoniacs, demonically possessed individuals. Jesus steps out and says, and he casts out the spirits with his word. One word. With his word, he steps out. Go. They left. And healed all that were sick, and everyone else that was there was also sick. He then he went and healed them. But he just says a word to the devils, and they run. Do devils obey prophets? No. Do devils obey angels? No. We even see in the book of Jude, Michael the archangel dared not bring a railing accusation against the devil who said, the Lord rebuke you. Michael, even in his own name, his own power, and his own office, uh, uh, wasn't able to rebuke Satan. Because Lucifer is a higher created being than even Michael is. It sort of shows there dared not bring a railing accusi- railing accusation against the devil who said the lord rebuke you but we see jesus in Mat- matthew uh, uh, 4 in the temptation of the wilderness rebuked the devil multiple times and then again on the road road to jerusalem jesus says in my name cast out devils and jesus rebuked lucifer michael can't jesus is not michael the archangel if you think jesus is michael the archangel you're not saved. Your Jesus is an angel, not God. That was an angel on the cross, not God. When the Bible says Jesus is God, you're denying this and you're stripping Christ of his divinity. And Jesus says, "If you do not believe that I am, you'll die in your sins." I am is ego eimi, which means the always existing one in the Greek, which means the uh, the uh, the almighty Lord God. Jesus says, "If you do not believe that I am, you'll die in your sins." The deity of Jesus Christ is a mandatory requirement for salvation is not michael the archangel someday adventists teach that he's michael the archangel as we see uh, uh, jehovah's witnesses say that he's michael the archangel um and there are actual many many other groups that uh, say this and if i re- if i remember correctly forgive me if i'm wrong but if i remember correctly i believe it's the schofield bible the schofield bible the schofield notes uh, of the the notes at the bottom of the page uh that Schofield notes I believe it is that that hints that Jesus is Michael the Archangel beware Jesus is God he's not he's not an angel but the Bible says Jesus is God and he cast out the spirits with his word now why 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 is it emphasized like this what do we see there is no rituals and incense and water and oil and chantings and all the other rituals and the crazy goings on that we see by many of the cults. And and as you see by the, by the stupid charismatic deliverance ministries where they're interrogating demons and, and, and making a big scene out of it and everything else. And tell me your name and tell me how long you've been in the person who don't see any of that. Nowhere do we see any of that. You're not to talk to demons other than to rebuke them. You do not interrogate them, do not talk to them. Uh, The false prophet preacher you see on YouTube and Instagram and social media, uh, Isaiah Saldivar isaiah saldivar is an absolute blasphemous heretic who teaches a false christ he teaches that salvation can be lost he also teaches that you should you should converse with demons because they've been around so long that they know a lot of stuff and you could learn some things from them he's a disgusting uh, heretic who preaches the hyper charismatic tongues and and uh, and stuff and he preaches a false gospel stay away from isaiah saldivar and we see In the Word of God, it's the Word of God that rebukes devils and casts them out. Now, um, part of the ministry of Christian Coffee Time is uh, because of my personal background. Uh, Many of you know my personal testimony that uh, uh, before I was saved, I was a servant of the occult and witchcraft for many, many years and Lord Jesus Christ saved me from that he delivered me and he saved me by his blood by his name and I'm born again saved by the name of the Lord God Jesus Christ and uh, delivered from that and so what I now do is I take the gospel of Jesus Christ back into the world of the occult I witness to witches and Satanists occultists and all these kinds of people and showing them the truth of Jesus Christ and and uh, what I have personally seen and many other have witnessed and can testify to is the power of the name of Jesus Christ spoken in in uh, deliverance from demonic possession and demonic oppression. That uh, individuals that I have counseled, witnessed to, uh, and led to the Lord, uh, I have personally seen these people in the moments become taken over by devils and by just by the name of Jesus Christ they are silenced and removed and the people even testified this is what happened and the devils are driven back and the people then can call up unto the Lord and they are saved and delivered from these things um exorcism is in the Bible and uh, it talks with the and and, uh uh, King Jeroboam is it Jeroboam who set up priests for the devils these are exorcists and we see uh, uh, to exercise means to remove from, to remove person, place, or thing, to remove from uh, from one location to another. So in the name of Jesus Christ, by the word of God, we exercise the devils by the name of Christ, commanding them to depart. The word of God teaches us. There are people out there that say that this doesn't happen today and, this, and that this kind of thing isn't real, doesn't happen. Those people are nuts. They don't know what they're talking about. Uh, they deny the word of God by the power of God here it's the word of God I, I have no power or authority over them Jesus Christ does I am nothing but Jesus Christ is everything they the devils aren't afraid of me they're afraid of him they don't obey my word they obey his they're crazy delusional maniacs out there uh, calling themselves preachers and deliverance ministers and all the kinds of and they think that they have the power uh, by God to deliver them they're deluded and they don't know what they're talking about and the devils are just uh, mocking them he cast out spirits with his word. Look at look what it says here in verse 16. His word, not mine. It's his word. And healed all that were sick. Healed all that were sick. All that come to him. All that come to me. I will know wise cast out. This shows the mercy and the grace of God. All that come to me. I will know wise cast out. Um... Uh, purely says here in the comments all they and we have to do is literally read the scriptures to know the truth exactly what it says is what it means we don't have to wonder god is not the author of confusion we never need to fear or worry you know well well, what's the case of this read it what does it say believe what it says don't change it don't don't change it don't try to modify it what it says is what it means and this is sufficient it's the simplicity of the faith um the purely says, uh, I talked about Isaiah Saldivar, for example, uh, Alexander Pagani and Vlad and others in his crew stay away. Yeah, exactly. Uh, be very careful of these kinds of people. Is, as we saw in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, ju- judgment of doctrine. You judge the doctrines. You see, what does the Bible say? What are they saying? If they contradict the word of God even remotely, then they're wrong. Then they're wrong and unfortunately i also have to say others like doreen virtue stay away from her uh she preaches and uh, i got into a big discussion with her i have the screenshots of her conversation she flat out says that the roman catholic church uh um uh, canonized our bibles and that the orthodox uh, is the true is the, is true christianity uh the Orthodox is true christianity and uh, uh she uh, she denies de, denies uh signs and wonders she calls herself uh, a calvinist and she says she's a cessationist she doesn't believe in these things she talks about her visions of Jesus she had visions of Jesus and she holds to that wrote it in her book and the, and uh, it does not line up with the word of god says her her images but she says she's completely all messed up in her doctrines and in her mind and as we see also with uh, cory minor with a uh, uh smart christian channel unfortunately he's also going the way of uh lordship salvation and Calvinism so we got to judge people by their doctrines it doesn't mean that certain individuals are not Christians but that they can be in error and they can be um like well, just that they're just in error but they could still be saved so we got to judge your doctrines and see well, where they stand in these things if they contradict the gospel itself they're not saved they could still believe the same gospel we do but be messed up on other doctrines we still can't take them as a, as a, a position of authority to listen to we have to take everything they say parent the word of God see what does the word of God say so just some things to think about uh, same as you take people like Joyce Myers Kenneth Copeland Stephen Verdict, Todd White Bill Johnson Paula White uh John Hagee John Hagee says Jesus is not the Messiah of Israel I have a video of john Hagee himself flat out saying that jesus is not the messiah and that jesus never claimed to be the messiah john Hagee flat out says that that jesus never claimed to be the messiah and jesus is not the messiah of israel he flat out says it but so many people so many professed christians go flocking after these these individuals because they're not studying their bibles why do so many people follow copeland follow Myers? Why so many people follow joel osteen because they're not studying their bibles they're not studying the word the word has life search the scriptures for therein you shall find salvation don't follow after catechism commentary creeds and councils and positions and, and other names you follow the word of god and the word of god alone so Uh, Melissa has a question on, because they're talking about uh, deliverance and exorcism and devils and these things. What are your thoughts on deliverance prayers? Why why call it that? Why call it deliverance prayers? And said they are used during exorcism. So pre-written chants, pre-written prayers, like, almost like they're incantations and chants nowhere do we see that in the word of god that's roman catholic tradition that's handed down from roman catholicism from the roman catholic rite of exorcism and that kind of idea that kind of practice there's no such thing as pre-written prayers like that not to do that as i see in the word of god when individuals like uh, the apostles and jesus and paul be they' the devils what would they do There is no long prayer they would just face face this things in the name of the lord jesus be silent depart and It was instantly. There's no big ritual or fancy thing to break open the books and flip through, find the deliverance prayers, the deliverance rituals, the deliverance protocols. No, is it that these things appear. You rebuke them, move on. There's, uh, uh, so the whole deliverance ministry, as it's presented uh, by the charismatic movement, is all nonsense. It's all nonsense. It's it's unbiblical. The way they go about it is completely unbiblical. It's not how it's done. The devils don't care about any of that. What they care about is the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus casts out spirits with his word. With his word. Word of scripture. Not pre-written words. And he healed all that were sick. That it might be fulfilled now the reason he did this as well as we see the, the reason jesus was doing all of this was because it was foretold is prophetic that the messiah christ would do these things this is how you could know who the messiah is verse 17 that it might be fulfilled which is spoken by isaiah the prophet saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses then he delivered and he, and he heals That's isaiah 53 Verse 18, now when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave commandment to depart unto the other side. The people are now thronging him for the benefits. And they're coming to him for more healings, more experiences, more of these things. Uh, the multitudes are coming and thronging him. Uh, um, saw great multitudes. That's like a sea of people coming. Great multitudes about him. He gave commandment to depart unto the other side of the sea and a certain scribe came and said to him master I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest and this young scribe this young man comes up and says I want to come with you and no matter where you go I want to follow you verse 20 and Jesus says to him the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests but the son of man hath nowhere to lay his head do you realize what you're getting into do you do you realize what you're asking you guys so many people talk about how they want to follow the Lord they want to fall, uh, come into discipleship and they want to uh, take the faith seriously and they want to be missionaries evangelists or whatever they want to follow the Lord they want to live by faith do you understand what it is you're asking are you just saying these things in the fervency of the moment in the height of the moment in the the joy of the moment in the revival meetings and you hear the messages and you're all on fire and you say yes I want to follow is that really you talking or is that emotion talking do you really understand what you're asking because it's not about the benefits it's not about your best life now it's not about uh the great and wonders as you see people think well if I follow the Lord it's going to be like Elijah battling the prophets of Baal it's going to be like uh, be like Moses before Pharaoh it's going to be signs and wonders what if God's plan is more like John the Baptist where he worked no miracles, no signs, no wonders, no experiences, and it was just preaching. Was just straight up preaching. And he only preached for six months until they chopped his head off. What about the Christians in the in the Far East who are being arrested and tortured and killed and enslaved? What about other Christians who are destitute? You realize we don't call the shots of the route that we go. We we build up a great picture of what we think the ministry will be like. Be I mean, like Charles Spurgeon, stand up there before fifty thousand people preaching and all this stuff, and you're leading their revivals. What if? The the calling the Lord has for you is just this backcountry little church. It's just a handful of people and nothing big ever really happens. But they just that they need a shepherd. They need a pastor for this little church. And nobody really knows anything about you. Or like a John the Baptist, you have nothing. I'm just saying. Are you willing to follow the Lord even in destitution? Are you willing to follow the Lord even in persecution? Are you willing to follow the lord no matter what comes whether whether nothing bad ever actually happens or maybe everything bad will happen you see the reason why many many professed christians don't follow the lord and don't go into ministry because they're not ready to be persecuted they're not ready for the hardships they're not ready for the challenges because what they want what they're waiting for is what they think is an opportunity for them to have their best life now in discipleship the best life now in discipleship that's not what the lord says he says forsake all that means forsake even your personal desires and dreams your goals and what you think and to follow the lord no matter where it is what it is what happens whether strong or weak healthy or sick rich or poor it doesn't matter, the Lord calls the shots. The foxes have holes and the birds of the air of nests, but the Son of Man is nowhere to lay his head. Just so you realize, you understand, we're not going into the palaces. We're not, we're not going to be having our kingdoms of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. For if my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, Jesus says. But my kingdom is not of this world. Store for yourselves in the treasure in heaven, not on earth jesus points this out to this to this young man and we never hear of this man again is it possible this young man had had these ideas and and these these great lofty goals and lofty dreams what he thought serving of the lord would become and when the lord popped his bubble he walked away how many how many Professed Christians go to the conferences and the revival meetings and the church services. They get all fired for the Lord and they believe that they that they are called to serve the Lord, but then life gets in the way and they like this young man don't follow the Lord like they wanted. Or even at all. Or you raised your hand years ago because you, you thought the Lord is calling you to the mission field or to as an evangelist or something, and you fell away from that you let that go well that was just a fever dream of the revival meeting there are many Christians who have left off service left off ministry because the Lord popped their bubbles you go to the Lord you say Lord I don't care what happens whether in the in a in, whether in the high room or a cardboard box as my home, I don't care because I want to serve you. I want to preach the word. Whether in destitution or wealth, whether sick or healthy, whether strong or weak, whether clothed or not, whether in the metropolis or the jungle or the desert or the sea, it doesn't matter where or how or what. Lord, would you use me? so many christians are terrified at this thought even you may even be now, even at the very thought of it you feel a kind of anxiety about it because you're scared you're scared of what could be but stop playing the psychic game of trying to foretell the future and dismissing the service of the lord because of your personal fears you have more of the fear of man than you do of god it starts with handing a gospel tract to your neighbor. It starts with talking to the person at the grocery store. What makes you think that God is going to call you to service as a missionary to some some great lofty uh, ministry if you can't even witness to your neighbor? If you can't even witness to the person at the grocery store and you think that God's going to call you to the mission field? Your home is your mission field first. Your town is your mission field first. Get busy serving the Lord there and then show yourself dependable and the lord will use you don't think that god is going to call you as a pastor preacher teacher missionary evangelist if you're not even doing anything for the lord with your family and friends and those in your in your immediate circle of influence think about that one the delusion that is upon so many professed christians they want to serve the Lord like Spurgeon and Moody and Hudson Taylor and all the rest of them, but they won't even do anything in their hometown. Jesus saw the multitude coming. They're coming to coming to him, but they were not of right heart, right mind. They're coming for the benefits, and the Lord says, let's go somewhere else. They're not not coming to hear me. They're coming because they want their bellies filled. They're coming because they want the benefits and and all all the the good things that come as a byproduct. And Jesus even even tells this poor man, this young boy, it's not about you. It's not not about things of this world. It's about the message. It's not about the benefits. And he never see this young man again verse 21. and other of his disciples said to him Lord suffer me first to go and bury my father I want to follow you but I have things I need to do and Jesus says follow me and let the dead bury the dead you're putting other things as more important than service more important you're setting your family even as more important you're putting relationships is more important you're putting your health and your bank account you're putting your goals your dreams you're putting everything else is more important than immediate service if you follow me the things that need to be will be and will be cared for but you but you're trying to take everything in your own hand and you're trying to control everything if you want to follow me you gotta let go that means letting go of everything That means letting go of your pride Letting go of your personal respect Letting go of your health Letting go of your safety Letting go of your care And you're putting everything in the hand of God You're emptying your basket You're casting all your care upon Him You're forsaking all following Him And you don't care what happens to you Whether you live or die or not You give it to the Lord But so many, so many Christians Can't face that can't accept that they can't swallow that pill they choke on this and their desire for service dies the reason why we have such such problem in having no effect with society today is because christians are more like society than they are like god they care more about themselves their own lives their best life now they care more about themselves their health their vanity their appearances well i couldn't be a missionary because oh, i don't know if i could i could i could live in that kind of environment i don't know if i could serve the lord because well oh, i'm just afraid what they might do to me i don't know if i could do this because you know if the prophets were, were like many of those folks the bible would be very thin but we see so many individuals, the Lord the Lord sparking in them the fire and helping them to understand. And we see great examples of individuals, of the prophets and the priests and the servants and the apostles, the disciples, not caring what anyone says. Not caring what society says. Not caring how they're mocked. Not caring or where they wind up. Which of the prophets did they not kill? But we see as even our lives is not your personal life worth giving to the Lord for service is the gospel of Jesus Christ not worth your life is it not worth your head oh John Baptist is it not worth your head oh Paul which of the apostles were not killed for it we see John escaped but what do we see as an example here forsaking all no, no, no hardship may actually fall upon you, but the thing is that even if it did, even if it did, doesn't matter because that's irrelevant. The things of this world are irrelevant. The word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the only thing that's relevant, the only thing that's truly important. Everything else doesn't matter. What people think or say or do or the circumstances you wind up in. God is able to bring manna from the sky, water from the rock. Do you not believe that? Do you not believe that he can meet your needs and he can can provide for you so that you can keep on going in service, that he can keep providing? Look at George Mueller of Bristol. Great, powerful example of that. He never asked a single man for a penny and the lord provided him everything he needed and he wound up building several large orphanages and great power and providing and helping with the kids and going about the world and preaching revival messages and leading scores of people to the lord and he had he had not even a penny to his name the point is the lord provides the lord delivers. The Lord heals, the Lord says, the Lord is God, and there is none else. Stop being the God of your life. Stop being the authority of your life. Stop trying to call the shots. Just get out there, swallow your pride, serve the Lord, take the faith seriously, watch it happens. Those who honor me, I'll honor. Follow me, let the dead bury their dead. And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him now look at the words there now i know the context the immediate context here his disciples you know the, the, those that were, were his disciples followed him into the ship because they follow him where he goes but it's just interesting it, it, it says no one else did that young man didn't that other this other man didn't no one else of the great sea multitude of people no one else did just his disciples his disciples followed him now that does not mean that none of the crowd were saved is it possible that many of these others truly believed on him and were saved yeah so so you can be a christian and not a disciple yes we're inundated with christians and discipleship is a dying breed nigh extinct it's hard to find True born-again Christians who are actual disciples. When they've entered into the ship, his disciples followed him. You say you do. But or is it just your idea of following him? Your idea, your perception of what you think discipleship is. What is discipleship? To be a disciple of an individual means to follow them to do what they do say what they say work what they work to carry on exactly in that it is a mere image of are you really or is it just your your thoughts of the creation of your mind, of what you think discipleship is. Ask God, ask Him personally, but with your hand on the Word of God, with the Word of God in your mind, your heart, you ask the Lord, am I truly a disciple? No one else followed Him in the ship. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but He was asleep. So they're going across the sea to the other side, and a big storm came up. And the waves are even coming over the sides and flooding the boat. Okay, this is evening, and they're out there in the storm. The waves are flooding the boat, and, and they look like they're about to sink. Jesus is sawing logs in the bow of the ship. He's sound asleep. He's sound asleep. And his disciples come to him, verse 25, and his disciples came to him and and awoke him, shaking him, Master, Lord, save us, we perish. They're terrified out of their minds. They're going to drown. And the first thing that Jesus says, verse 26, and he wakes up and he looks at them. Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? the first thing out of his mouth is rebuke. Because what do we see here? They were not paying attention. They did not understand if God isn't worried, why are you? If Jesus is sleeping, Does that mean he's not aware who is he he's god does god become unconscious no the body to us it may seem like as jesus was asleep in appearance to the disciples that doesn't mean he wasn't still aware and knowing well i just feel that god isn't near me i just feel that god is far away i just feel you're like the disciples in the boat freaking out about the waves because you see jesus sleeping and you think that he's not aware and he doesn't know what's happening and and you're in danger you see that he was asleep now this was done on purpose jesus did this on purpose to show them To help them to understand if he's not worried neither should you be discipleship we're talking about discipleship here if you want to learn to be a disciple you need to learn to stop fearing you really want to be a disciple you need to stop caring stop fearing stop worrying stop fretting stop wringing the hands stop trying to make the plans stop scheming just trust in the living god bring it up before him and do and say what he says and does disciples came lord save us we perish he says why are ye fearful why are you fearful worry not doubt not fear not fret not be anxious for nothing care not oh ye of little faith you say you believe, but everything that comes along, you're, you're freaking out about it. You're fearing about it. You're fearing about the illnesses that come down the road in society. You're fearing about what the government's doing. You're fearing about the neighbor and the dogs and the cows and the kids and the cars. You're scaring and fearing and wringing the hands about everything. You're fearing about the bank account, the bills and the cupboards and the fridge. You're fearing about the job and your co workers and your boss and the car. You're fearing about everything. why are ye fearful oh ye of little faith if you are fearing you're of little faith if you have any fear you're of little faith then he arose look what it says and rebuked the winds and the sea and there was a great calm now what do we also get from this what do we see here the fact that it says in verse 26 that jesus rebuked the winds and the sea now i would like to ask you folks a question if you can answer in the comments here would would jesus rebuke something that the father had done would jesus rebuke anything that was done of god says he rebuked the winds in the sea and there's a great calm you see if we back up and go over again slowly here Jesus was asleep Jesus then rebuked so where did the storm come from you see this was an oppression by the enemy it was a work of the devil because the devil saw Jesus was asleep this is my chance this is my chance because the devil doesn't know everything the devil's limited and the devil's delusional and deceived and he's full of pride and arrogance and he doesn't understand he only judges by appearance satan can only judge by appearance and there's no truth in him satan saw jesus was asleep and thought that this could be his chance to kill him and all of his disciples by drowning them in the sea but jesus allowed this occurrence To show his disciples to not care what the devils do, to not care what society does, to not care about the situation, circumstances, to not even care about the effects of nature, storms even, and to not care about the oppressions and persecutions of the enemy. Fear nothing. But Jesus stood up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Do you know what that means by great calm? Have you ever been near a body of water, a lake, a pond, or by the beach or something like this? And and it's one of those days where it's so dead. There's no breeze. There's nothing. And it's so calm, the water is literally like glass, not even a ripple. The air is calm, the sea is calm, everything is just, it's, it's, sudden, it's a sudden just, like a blanket. Jesus stands up, rebukes the wind and the sea, and, there's, and just, it all just stops. The waves just drop. The wind just disappears. Now, could you imagine being in the boat and seeing that? You're... <laughs> you're soaked to the bone you're soaked just drenched the boat is full of water you got the bucket in your hand you're in the process of, of screaming but your your voice just disappeared because now you're in shock because all of a sudden in just the blink of an eye it's all gone and you still have the bucket in your hand and it's a great calm and jesus is just standing there staring at you why are you scared it says in verse 27, but the men marveled in absolute shock and amazement. Absolute shock and amazement. You see, our society, our culture, we're afraid of everything. And we take everything into our own hands, everything to our own power. We worry about the weather we worry about uh society worry about the illnesses and the diseases we worry about technology we worry about everything and, and we, we we can't see past the physical we can't see past the physical years ago uh my one cousin was uh getting married and uh our family was invited Um my relatives are not christians I would suspect that the one the the one my one cousin is we're not 100 percent sure we're hoping anyways and uh, they asked my dad pastor paul to do the service the wedding ceremony and this is big thing they wanted him to do the the, the service and they're not christians at all uh, so of course I accepted that and my dad is going to do the service now they were going to do an outside wedding ceremony it was the whole plan and they had it all decorated and everything was going it came the day and we're about to and big storm clouds are rolling in and then we're all outside and everybody's worried about we're all going to get rained out and we don't really have a backup plan and uh, so dad decides right there in front of everybody to to pray that the Lord would keep away the storm, would, would, uh, would block the clouds from us so that uh, we'd be able to go through and be able to do the wedding. Now, hand before God, I lie not. All the black clouds, all the storm clouds are rolling over. But right above us was literally a hole in the clouds. Like as if God had poked his finger through the clouds, and right over us was a hole in the clouds, and no wind, no rain. Nothing. I'll tell you, my relatives are absolutely shocked. And many comments were made about how God did that. And I'm telling you, that's not the first time I've ever seen that. Now, the first time i've ever seen the lord actually change the weather and due to a request a prayer we're going to go out witnessing or hold revivals or do something else and we've prayed and god literally changed the weather in front of our eyes the lord is able to do that do you understand reality of our physical reality this world of what we see of the laws of physics of, of the physical world is putty that is molded by the hands of praying faith the Lord can change the hearts and minds of kings and emperors. The Lord can turn the sauls into pauls. The Lord can raise the dead, heal the sick, provide, cause the jar of oil to not run out. He can feed you from men from heaven, water from the rock. He can feed the thousands to water, to wine. He works the miracle signs and wonders, the, the lepers and the centurions and all these things. Look at the stuff he does. The Lord is able. It's faith in him, not in ourselves. It's faith in him that he can do it he is able because he doesn't change the God of Adam and Noah the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob the God of Moses and Elijah is the same God today is the God of, of Matthew Mark Luke and John is the God of Mary and Martha Deborah Hannah Esther Hannah and a up, he's the same God of Scripture as today he doesn't change and he's able to do it and de- and denying this questioning this doubting this fearing this is irreverent and disrespectful and is questioning the very veracity of god he can do it he does do it if you would just but say the word oh lord i know that it will be so and Kimberly really says that happened during my mother's burial the rain clouds opened up uh, like a circle around where we stood and when we walked and moved uh, moved that circle went along with us kept us dry but it rained exactly 100 absolutely i believe it it's so true the lord he is the god of all things As it says by him all things consist and if you want to be a disciple of the living god the lord jesus christ you need to get it through your head he is the god of all things by him all things consist and you do not need to worry or fear or fret or doubt or care about anything just go serve the lord fear nothing Serve the Lord, casting all your care upon Him. Serve the Lord, fear Him not man, fear Him not devils, fear Him not circumstances, issues, or problems. The same God who caused the jar of oil and the bear of meal did not run out, is the same God that you serve and you believe in. The God who parted the sea is the same God who parts the issues today. He can still do it. He still is able. One of my actually, I just want to share with you one of my favorite stories in the Bible during the time of Elisha the prophet. That one one issue was Elisha was walking uh, walking by this one little uh, village area, and a man comes up and and uh, begs of him help because he as he says he was uh, chopping down trees with an axe that he had borrowed. And as he was chopping, as he swung, the axe head flew off the handle into the water, into a river, and he lost it. And he says, a- and, it- and it's, a- it's borrowed, and I-, I don't know what to do. So, Elisha goes over, and he says, oh, show me where you were. And he shows him, and says, now where did it go? And he says, it went over here. Elisha goes and cuts a branch off a tree, takes over, and throws the branch into the water. And the iron axe head floated. It's what it says in the Bible. The iron axe head floated. Iron doesn't float. Axe heads don't float. Especially iron axe heads don't float. It says it floated up to the top, and the guy was able to recover it. And he says, now give God the praise. Uh. God is able to alter the very laws of physics most modern Christians today would doubt that would say oh yeah God could do that but there is doubt and disbelief in their mind they don't believe it I am a 100% biblical literalist I 100% without a shadow of a doubt believe every single thing in this book that it happened just like it says this is reality not that the word of God is reality not what I sense or see or feel not not the physical reality this is reality as God teleported the prophets Says so in the Bible. He picked them up, placed them down other places. He did it with Philip the Evangelist. He did it with a whole ship with his disciples in the middle of the sea. Jesus walked, he says, and they're in the middle of the sea. Not the shore. They're in the middle of the sea. And Jesus walked out, says when he stepped in the boat, the whole boat and and disciples are at the shore. He teleported the whole boat. That's what it says. It's 100% real. Because God can do that. God can do anything. God never changes. You want to be a disciple, you need to be a disciple of the whole word of God. Not just parts of it. Of the whole, of the whole scripture. It takes the whole Bible to make a whole disciple. Be ye remembrancers of the Lord. Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? doubt not fear not fret not care not the lord is able trust his word trust his word like the centurion lord forgive my weak faith O lord forgive my fear but lord i know that if you would just but say the word it will be done forgive my fearings forgive mine unbelief lord help me help me and he will he will the flesh will always fight you on that the flesh will always doubt and fear the flesh will always come back the flesh wars against your spirit the flesh doubts the flesh fears but your heart and your spirit you know what's true hold to that even though the knees be shaken you state the truth you state the truth but the men marveled verse 20 and men marveled saying what manner of man is this that even the winds and sea obey him look at this Are You seeing this look what kind of a person how amazing how powerful look at this they even even nature obeys him it says that by a blast of god's nostrils he parted the red sea <laughs> How powerful he is that God just, just, just a puff of air out of his nose and he parted the Red Sea. It says the sea parted. Now, the words are interesting when you take a look at it and you study it. It says that the wind of God, by a blast of his nostrils, the waters parted to the other side and it was completely dry that not a single drop of water and the ground was completely dry and the words in the hebrew describing the walls of water when you actually study it the words used means jellified the waters were like jello on the sides jellified, and dry ground they cross on dry ground By a blast of his nostrils and here he just be still and the wind and the sea just come but by a word the sick servant is healed that by a word Lazarus comes floating out of the tomb alive after being dead for four days that by a word let there be light and light appeared let the earth bring forth every herb and green tree and and grass and trees came springing up out of the ground let the waters bring forth the fish and the fowl of the air and suddenly fish and whales and sharks and birds just came exploding out of the water the lord the lord speaks and it was he spoke the sun with all of the heat and how uh, the the nuclear reaction of the sun and the fusion how that works it was just appeared by a spoken word he spoke the moon into existence he spoke the stars in place the same God who speaks the universe into existence, who speaks life into Adam, can speak things into the existence of your life of you. But so ask and trust Him. The same God who did all that, same God is today. Do you see that? By Him, all things consist. Why is it so hard to trust that God is able to help the little things in our lives sometimes? We need to remember what he is able, what he has done. Be ye remembrancers of the Lord to remember what he has done because that helps us in the now for the future. To trust that, uh, uh, to, to remind ourselves, as he was able to do then, he can do so now. For Joshua, Joshua, by faith in the great battle as he saw it was going on for so long, by faith in the Lord. And joshua made request that the sun and the moon would not move so that the day could go on longer so they could finish the battle and god honored his request do you realize what the lord did god stopped the very momentum of the earth god stopped the everything he stopped time the sun the moon the earth stopped all time stopped and so that they could finish the battle and when the battle was ended it continued on its course again God froze the world and the sun and everything in place uh, for, for Joshua. It says, And never again was such a thing ever seen like that again. What are you worried about? What are you fearing? What is a care in your life that makes you worried and fearful and doubting and afraid? he could freeze space and time and also what he did with it was a king Hezekiah was a king Hezekiah well he was he was dying and he was pleading and the Lord sent, sent his his prophet Nathan or which prophet was that? I forget uh, to tell him how he was gonna because uh, how he was sick he was gonna die and he pleaded of the Lord and the Lord sent his prophet back to tell him and it says and, and it says now go and you'll see if the Lord so uh, uh um what would you have the Lord do to prove that uh, that uh, your request is is so? And requested that that uh, the the shadow on the sundial the shadow on the sundial would go backwards 15 degrees. Do you realize what that means? God caused the earth to go back that the shadow of the of the sun the way the sun fell on the sundial that means god rolled back the earth so that the shadow on that sundial would specifically go back 15 degrees this is a proof to the king that that lord would heal him and he would live again he would not die if god can change the direction of the earth what makes you think he won't help you in your life? What makes what, Why are you fearful and afraid, O ye of little faith? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Look what the Lord is able to do why are you fearful and afraid why are you timid about serving him he is god and there is none else all these are false gods and they are nothing cry louder cry louder they are nothing to us what is the chaff to the wheat worry not about the devils worry not about society worry not about all of the things that come in our lives but give it to him who is able to do all things he is able trust in him with all thine heart worry not doubt not fear not but rebuke worries rebuke the fears rebuke the flesh rebuke the devils and trust in the lord he who could calm the storms and speak the world into existence he who can cause the jar of oil to run out for that poor poor widow woman and and help her in her time of need he can also help great great nations at the same time look at what he's able to do look what he did with Shadrach, meshach and abednego look what he did with daniel look what he did with the widows look what he did with the lepers Look what he did with the hungry. Look what he did with Elijah when Elijah was cast down and depressed and wanted to die. Because he was so, so worn out and afraid and scared of Ahab and Jezebel and everything else. He went out in the wilderness and he says, Lord, just let me die. What did the Lord do? The Lord who can do such great and incredible, wondrous things, so miraculous. What did the Lord do for Elijah? Also, one of my favorite things. You know what the lord tells us to do when we get depressed shut up take a nap have a snack (laughs) he told elijah to, to rest and god came down built a little bonfire for elijah and baked him a cake god baked elijah a cake to cheer him up and told him to eat and rest God who can make all things create all things who knows all the stars by name God who can see every single individual molecule and atom that holds all things together that by his power he holds all things together and he who set the whole galaxies in motion who who fashioned us from the dust of the ground cares about us so personally cares about us so personally, individually, who knows all our thoughts, all our worries, all our weaknesses, holds us by grace and says, just follow me. When you fall, just call call upon me. I will help you up. I strengthen the weak ankles and con- uh, confirm the feeble knees. I am with you. I'll give you the words which to say. I'll teach you how to pray. I'm with you always. I'll never neglect you. I'll never cast you away. I'll never abandon you. You're held in my hand. I'll never let you go. Worry not. Doubt not. Fear not. Fret not. Care not. Be anxious for nothing. Sorrow not like those who have no hope. But trust in me. I hold all things. By me all things consist. So have a rest. Eat some cake. Calm down. Follow me. That's what the Lord says. It's so simple and beautiful. This is our God. The Lord who who created all things attends the weddings. The God who made all things... Helps the little leper. The God who made all things takes the little children and sets them on his knee and he teaches them parables and things and he smiles and he helps the little children. What are you worried about? And the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? And when he was come to the other side, into the country of the Gergesenes, and he crossed the sea, and, now, now he, and he comes to the other side, and uh, the land that's the land of Gadarenes, also known as the Gergesenes, the, the Gadarenes, the land of Gad, of the tribe of Gad, there met him two, possessed with devils. Now you've heard of the Gadarene demoniac. Now in one of the other gospels it talks about the gathering demoniac and, and it just mentions him but here in matthew it says there were two there were two now what's interesting when you study this and what it turns out is what it appears to be is a couple a man and a woman a man and a woman because only the man speaks and as culture, as culture and custom of the time is the man was the voice, a voice of this, and the woman would be silent and the, the men would speak. That's just the way the custom was here. Look like what it says. The men, him too, possessed with devils coming out of the tombs. They, they, they were necromancers, self-mutilation, cutting themselves, possessed with armies of devils, necromancers coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce. That means in all demonic rage, demonically possessed people full of thousands of devils just come screaming like banshees out of the tomb, screaming in demonic rage, come running right at you. So powerful that people tried to chain them up, but they would snap the chains and beat everyone up, and you couldn't control them, you couldn't contain them. They lived in the tombs and would cut themselves screaming all night in demonic rituals. This is the people exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Even the devils know who he is. Even the devils aren't dumb enough to be atheists. What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? What time? Judgment. Have you come to torment us before the judgment? You see, they know their time is short. They know what's coming. They just hate it. Have you come to torment us before the time? And there was a good way off from them a herd of many swine feeding. Now this is interesting because uh pork is forbidden to the jews gad is a tribe of israel they're jews what do they do with pigs well if you back up when the israelites are coming into the promised land gad the tribe of gad had decided when they came to the jordan river where they were going to cross in the promised land they wanted to claim land on the other side not land within the promised land so they did not obey the lord in this and what they were supposed to do but even though they claim the land here and so we see from the very beginning they had a promise a, a, a problem with obeying the uh, the 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 commandments of god and we see even down the road they are now neglecting leaving off the protocols and the rules and the laws of moses of doing their own thing and even being pig farmers which is an abomination Which is forbidden they're not pig farmers doing that which is not permitted and so they saw a great way off from them was a herd of many swine feeding so the devils besought him saying if thou cast us out suffer us to go away into the herd of swine let us go into the pigs and jesus says go even the devils have to ask for permission and what does it say? And Jesus by a word. And what does it say? And he cast out spirits with his word. With his word, go. He just says, "Go." And when they and when they were come out, the devils left them. They went into the herd of swine, possessed the animals. Demonic possession of animals is a very, very real thing. I personally witnessed it. It's real demonic possession, demonic oppression. They can possess people, places, things, and animals. They take over, control, and can manipulate. It's a hundred percent real, hundred percent real. When they were come out, they went into the herd of swine, and behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. And the devils worked up the animals, possessed them, and caused them all to run into the sea and drown themselves now why would the devils do that because they're evil beasts they're murderers they're violent hateful spiteful prideful arrogant evil wicked monsters that's all they are that's all they are there's no truth in them no love in them they couldn't care less about you couldn't care less about anything else all they want to do is wreck up the place as much as they possibly can before the time that's all they care about All they care about is seeing how many people can we get to come to hell with us when our time comes. How much can we wreck up the place before the time comes. That's all they care about. Now the question is why would Jesus allow the devils to go into the swine in the first place. Did Jesus know what they would do. Well yeah he knew what they would do. Then why did he allow it. Because it was forbidden. He was removing something out of their lives that was wrong. God, God's curse is upon things forbidden he wasn't going to protect or bless that which is forbidden they were doing that which is forbidden so the Lord cursed it and the curse of God can even be allowing devils to do something like first Corinthians chapter 5 verse 5 about the the individual who is unrepentant of his immorality and fornication and we see how the how, how Paul says This one who is unrepentant and who is immoral, he'll be delivered unto the devil for the destruction of the flesh. His life will be taken, handed over, and the devil will get into his life and destroy his life and may even kill him. But his spirit is still saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. The Lord himself can chastise discipline or even by his removing of his hand of protection and blessing, uh, allowing the devils to come in what it says and they perished in the waters and they that kept them fled and went their ways into the city and told everything that was befallen to the possessed of the devils and behold the whole city came out to meet Jesus the whole city of this area of the of the Gergesenes the Gadarenes. the whole city who well knew about these demoniacs Legion these necromancers that lived in the tombs ran around naked cutting himself with stones and pouring his blood everywhere uh, beating people up in demonic rages and snapping chains This this crazed psycho demoniac necromancer witch, possessed with thousands of devils he and his wife doing this witchcraft they knew well about him. And the whole city came out to meet jesus and when they saw him they besought him that he would depart out of the coast and they cared more about their pigs than they did the possessed they cared more about their pigs than they even did the well-being of this poor poor abused couple no love no care no mercy no grace no love of god no love of righteousness. They had become so completely withdrawn that the, all they cared about was themselves and their own livelihood and their own ways. They couldn't care less about anyone else. But what, but what did the Lord, if you remember, where the Lord dealt this and he blessed the man after delivering him, blessed the man and told him, go, tell others what great things the Lord has done for you. Go tell others what great things the Lord has done for you. Look uh, that they would see the change in your life and what you now know, what you now hold and believe. What do we see by this example here? Your personal testimony is, is a witness of the power of the living God in your life. Now, your testimony is not the gospel, but is a tool to show the effect of the gospel. To not be afraid of your testimony. Not be afraid of what others would think. Not be afraid of what others would care. But to tell this is what happened this is what what the lord did what the lord said what the lord uh, the lord has done believe on the lord jesus christ jesus delivered me jesus can save jesus can heal jesus is god and there is none else worship comes by many ways and discipleship discipleship is a form of worship Matthew chapter 8. So there you go with that uh any other comments questions issues insights uh please by all means go ahead ask away I'd be glad to hear from you um Matthew chapter 8 has got a lot in it and we see uh by different uh appearances and demonstrations of worship and we see uh, as it talk about worship and discipleship and serving the Lord what this means how we can serve the Lord in discipleship in our in physical worship in our personal quiet times an intimate relation relationship with the Lord in prayer and study of the word uh kissing the hand of Christ uh, so to speak and we see in the worshiping the Lord in discipleship by just trusting the simplicity of his word not caring about circumstances but Lord but just say the word tell me what to say tell me what to do show me where to go Lord would you please help them I know Lord that you are able and we see not, not worrying or fearing what others, the multitudes that say or do. Not fearing or worrying what even may come by, by even in nature. The laws of physics. Not care about anything. The Lord is able to furnish a meal in the wilderness. He is able. He is able to calm the sea, part the sea, turn the water even to wine. He can do anything. And how he can heal and help and provide all these things to get our attention to help us to remember who it is we serve who it is we believe i see that the message the sermon of the sermon on the mount matthew 5 6 and 7 we see we see the teaching and now taking all these things and putting them into practice matthew chapter 8. there you go so with that anything else at all uh, going down through the comments. um purely says I like how that's something people do today bring bring others food during a hard time even the unbelievers are made in his image and don't even know it the care exactly the the care and the help and the provision that this is a reflection and uh and uh we need to take these opportunities to help people to open their eyes even to this blessing them in the name of the Lord when they come and bless even the unsaved come and they bless us bless them in the name of the Lord to, to help them and pray for them exactly all right going down through how thankful are we the Lord granted us repentance amen amen all right so there we go so that's a wrap up for today thank you so much for joining in folks if you appreciate these studies uh please give us a like as a thumbs up make sure you subscribe hit notification bell icons so and we put up new videos and check out all our other videos we've got tons and tons of other goodies and stuff on our channel tons of different playlists and different topics and studies check it all out as well as our website christiancoffeetime.ca we've got links to all our other platforms and goodies and downloadable tracks and everything else so please make sure to check that out and get busy if you want to know more about discipleship and serving the Lord and the attitude and the, the way and all this stuff, uh, we've got different playlists on this. You we know, ones on witnessing and evangelism, and uh, uh, other ones on uh, how to fight depression, how how to uh, uh, studies on dealing with uh, spiritual gifts, spiritual warfare, on uh, the point uh, the point of the saint, uh, about the encouragement and the me- the ment- mentality of the saint. There's so much stuff there. Please check it out and if you're interested in other resources as well I'm gonna uh, start a list here of different authors that I would recommend A.W yeah, Tozer J.C Ryle V Raymond Edmond Ian e. Bounds Leonard Ravenhill Charles Spurgeon Dr Martin Lloyd-Jones we see Kingdom of Cults by Walter Martin my utmost for his highest by Oswald Chambers they found the secret by Raymond Edmond power through prayer by Ian e. Bounds the necessity of prayer by Ian e. Bounds Sodom Had No Bible, Leonard Ravenhill, The Complete Tozer Collection. George Mueller of Bristol, that's when I recommend George Mueller of Bristol, His Autobiography. Holiness by J.C. Ryle. The Ministry of Intercession by Andrew Murray. Prepared to Stand Alone, J.C. Ryle. The Greatest Hoax on Earth by Jonathan Sarfati. Gleanings in Genesis by Arthur Pink. The Long War Against God by Dr. Henry Morris. The, the Spurgeon Sermons. Evening by Evening by Charles Spurgeon. Halley's Bible Handbook by Henry Halli, recommended for kids as well is the action Bible great great one for little kids uh, uh, for them to understand the Bible tortured for his faith by Harlem Papa cowboy boots in darkest Africa Dr Bill Rice 30 years Celsius cannibals John Patton Bushman and the spirits by Barney Lassendre, tortured for Christ Richard Wormbird, seeking Allah finding Jesus by Nabil Qureshi and of course Fox's Book of Martyrs these are all different uh ones I'd recommend check out and uh add them to your collection, or, uh, just help give a deep earnesting grasp of different topics and things and apologetics and personal study, as well as see a bunch there of their different missionary stories to also just to spur you on to see how the Lord works in other missionaries lives and how uh, and uh, how He will help you. It is just serve the Lord. Serve the Lord without uh, without fear of man, but serve the Lord in fear and trembling of him. He is able because none else is. So with that we wrap that up there so thank you so much for joining in folks god bless you god bless all those who love our lord god jesus christ god bless all those who love his holy word hope to see you again and as always if i don't see you again i'll see you in the sky god bless